Hi, I'm Matt Forbeck, author of Shotguns and Sorcery in the upcoming Marvel tabletop role-playing game, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about the costs of printing an RPG book. In the news, there's a lot of D&D publishing news and a new book has been announced. Paizo teases more Pathfinder remaster changes. Critical Role releases a quick start for Candela Obscure and more. Plus, new listener questions and a brand new sketch about tackling the backlog of unplayed games. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Quickshot's Crossbow Delicatessen. Delicatessen? Are they sure about that name? Nah. Well, if you need a repeating crossbow, a ballista, bumblebee mark II hand crossbow, the one that has quite a sting, collapsible spike thrower, dart gun, or even an enchanted fire shooting crossbow, or an icicle launcher, Quickshot's vast warehouse of more than two dozen crossbows will keep your enemies in the firing line. <laughs> I see what they did there. Very droll. All the tabletop role playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, I am delighted to be here and joining us today. Uh, all shall trip, all shall gaze upon her beauty and tremble in despair. It is the one. It is the only. It is. It's me, Jessica from E and Publishing, and thank you. I do have a filter on at the moment, so yes. <laughs> it's very good. I don't know quite I how know. you're you're managing the um, Elven Queen luck, but it's very Lord of the Rings. I approve. It, oh, good, good. Thank you. It's yeah. it'll mm. be the tiara. I actually do have an Elven Queen tiara. I could go get. We are looking forward to seeing this at UK Games Expo. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I can bring all the tiaras, along with Russ's best Jedi outfit, and of course uh, my wizard robes. Mm-hmm. Amazing Jedi outfit, huh? Unfortunately, I yeah. won't be able to bring a filter to the UK Games Expo recording next week because I'll no. be there in person, <laughs> which is annoying because I actually have to put makeup on or something. Yeah. Oh. So I don't scare yes. my children. Would Would you like mm. to hear some listener questions? Because I've got two listener questions. What two listener questions? I would. I would. And they're. Both from people called Lee. Is it, is it the same matter. person called Lee? Two different people, both called Lee. That's I don't it's believe that. It's not Lee and true. Lee. I know it's almost impossible. Out of you know eight billion people in the world, how could there be two people called Lee? Impossible. Anyway, anyway what are the questions? Okay, so the first question is from Lee Number One or Lee Donovan, as as, as we like to call him. Lee or Number the One, the original oh, Lee, what? as they are known. The original Lee. <laughs> original Lee. Lee. Originally, um, so Lee would like to know what is a good system or game that is criminally underrated. That's an interesting question because I don't know. So basically, criminally underrated. So it's a game that people generally say isn't good, but which is, is in fact good. Mm, I guess, or maybe underrated by people is people aren't don't know it as well. Or how about D and D Fourth Edition? I've not played D and D Fourth Edition. Because, although I don't think it was a, for me personally, great sort of expression of D&D, I think it was a good game. Mm -hmm. And if it had come out under a different name, I think that would have been a great 
that would have been a great sort of kind of tactically focused game. So that's my one. I think it is underrated because of that. Okay. Because because I think having the D&D brand on it kind of, and because it was such a departure from what people were used to, I think possibly, I don't know. Um, that's, yeah, that's my, that's my nomination there. D&D 4E. Okay. Well, for me, I, I can't think of many role playing games that I really like that generally other people I've met have been like, no, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. The only thing maybe I'll say is I'm starting to get into solo journaling RPGs mm-hmm. and I don't, and I think maybe they're a bit underrated because not many people have tried them or want to give them a go or just the concept of them people don't gel with. So that's not a specific one. Yeah, it's a conceptual thing, isn't it? Like it's a conceptual, which pick a specific one. Mm. If I have to pick a specific one, but I think it is quite well rated for people that play it. Cause it but the most popular solo journaling tabletop RPG I know is the one I'm holding in my very hands here, which is Thousand-Year-Old Vampire. Mm. But this actually of solo journaling RPGs, I think, is quite well rated. So I think my answer is kind of the concept of solo journaling RPGs. Okay. There we go. <laughs> that works for me. Uh, and as we all know, Peter does love a concept for a nomination, so... <laughs> I, I do love a concept for a nomination. That is true. So, what would be your underrated TTRPG? Hmm. Well, one that you like that other people think is underrated. Sorry, I should be. I'm going to go with Barbarians of Lemuria. Hmm. Uh, which, because you probably haven't heard of it, I haven't. I have heard of it. Uh, you have heard of it. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, it's out there. It's it's not one I see mentioned a lot. I quite like mm. it. It has very nice, simple, very light like mechanics to go where you can you can do it. It's got sort of got that um, core mechanic vibe, and also you can bring in backgrounds like Thirteenth uh, Age to add on to your dice rolls. So that's quite good. The thing that I think probably makes it extra special for me is it because it has non-Vancian casting. I there are no spell slots, and instead magic is based around your ability to affect rituals and to bring in various elements of the game world and plot for instance if you're attempting to do a ritual like at 1102 in the morning it's not got the same mystical significance as at moonrise on the feast of the god of the huntress that is going to have like a different vibe to it and if you've got 20 people in robes chanting that's going to again be different to like well i scraped a circle in the ground and uh, wiggle my fingers a bit the more mythic you can make it the more ideas you can bring in from around then that gives you a better chance of success and what you're attempting to do varies from could a person do it to could a whole pile of people do it to it's just impossible to achieve, even with an army of people. And I think that's actually quite an interesting way to look at it, and uh, makes for some interesting interesting times. There we go. So that is three criminally underrated tabletop sure. RPGs. Okay. Thank you, so originally. The other question from the other Lee, Lee number two. Yeah. Uh, Lee number two is Lee Williams, and Lee Williams would like to know what are the panels, or a panel, mm. uh, favoured methods of character generation involved stats, Point by a life path, assigning fixed values, or rolling on random tables. Anything else I've not thought of? I have one. <laughs> Straight away. My favourite mm-hmm. way uh, is, is uh, the way that... And other RPGs have done this, but I first saw it in Fate. The way you do your character backstory by telling stories and another player guest stars in it. So when you start mm-hmm. the game, 
you have connections with all the players at the character and a re which gives mm. you a reason to do a thing together which is really nice yeah. uh I, that strings mine because i'm starting session one of a dresden uh campaign using mm. the fate system on saturday which i'm very excited about nice. we did character cool. gen the other week and it was it was really nice i've got really nice little links with everybody except one player but that also makes it quite fun because there's this one mysterious character that i don't know anything Ooh. about oh. mm. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so that's mine. Cool. So the the fate uh, system of yeah. For the... me, I do like a good life path system. I think mm-hmm. I've always been attracted to the idea of life path systems since I first saw it. Probably, I would imagine in Traveller was I probably where I first saw it, and I've used them myself in my own games. I really, really like life path systems. Um, so yeah, that would be my favourite method. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, well. My, I used to be very strict on things like point buy, but nowadays, after having done some fairly significant thinking on the matter, I'm very much more in favour of, it doesn't really matter too much what you're doing. You could even do things like roll 60, 20, if your stats were to go from 1 to 20, say. But the important thing is to get your players talking around the table about which array they would like to use. Because that, very sneakily, means that you've got all of them agreeing about what stats they're doing, mm-hmm. whilst overtly making sure that nobody feels that they're going to be at a disadvantage because they fluffed a roll at the start of a two-and-a-half-year campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right. yeah, that, that, that's my take on it. There we fair go. enough, fair enough. All right then, well, I hope we've answered those questions satisfactorily to the two Lees. Yes. If you have a question and you would like to ask us... Not just via the interwebs, but in person. Again, Ooh. we say next week we will be recording Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk podcast at the UK Games Expo Live, and you can come along. And that is Friday at three thirty PM in the Dice Room, or if you go into the, the UK Dice Games, Room, the Dice Room, how wow, perfectly named. Uh, we are anxious and excited. I think we're excited because uh, it's going to be more fun. anxious than excited. Quite frankly, the anxiety <laughs> is that no one turns up. So if yes. you are there, for just charity's sakes, please come by. It is free. <laughs> it is, if you're at the UK Games Expo, <laughs> no, we're not charging it, just be clear. Uh, they <laughs> asked me that. They're like, how much you want to charge? I was like, I, I think we might need to pay people to come, so I don't think we should. <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> so, so yeah, so come along and we'll do a Q&A there. And Russ also has some ideas to get some audience participation involved, which we yes. Oh, no, no, you don't have recording. to participate. That's not that's not mandatory. No, it's not mandatory. It's optional. I said optional. optional. Okay. Uh, What time on Friday do you say? Three fifteen. Three thirty p.m. Three thirty. Three thirty in the dice room at UK Games Expo. And um, we'll put a link in the show notes to the event on the UK Games Expo website, so you can get all the details and be like, you might be like, where is the dice room? There's a map on the UK Games Expo. They're very organised like this. They have done this a few times. Nice. Mm. All right then, all right then, right then. I think it's time we do some news because we've got a bit to get through. We do. Mm. We have got a bit to get through. So um, this this is quite interesting. So this is going to lead into our topic of the week later. But I just wanted to mention because it was just in, like uh, Wizards of the Coast did a interview with Polygon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, during that interview, um, the topic of why the D and D twenty twenty four core book set isn't all coming out at the same time uh, uh, why it's yes. not coming out as a three book set and why it's being staggered throughout the year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was interesting was like jeremy crawford told them our print runs are pretty darn big 
and mm-hmm. printers are telling us they can't give us these three books at the same time. They print so many books that there isn't enough printing capacity to actually print all of them. Yeah, which means... And Chris Perkins said um, the print runs we're talking about are massive. That's been not only true of the core books, but also like Tasha's Cauldron. Yeah. It's what we call a high-end problem. Yeah, nice problems to have, eh? To give an idea mm. of scale of that, so I spoke to our one of our book printers in Europe, and they do our books. They do like free leagues, so they do reasonable size print orders. And they said the biggest one they've done is seventy thousand for a print run. Mm. That's the top end. So if you know wizards are being capped, that means you know they're definitely over that amount. Oh, they're way over that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So, but just to give an idea for the economies of scale, when we talk a little bit later about uh, yeah. Yeah. when we get into to what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But yes. And I think, yeah, I think they print in the US, not 100% sure. But anyway. I imagine I, they I just have... wanted to just mention it because yeah. it's just really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, we've got lots and lots of news about all sorts of different things. We've got a, quite a bit, a lot of um, D&D news. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of information came up about the upcoming product schedule. And we've also got some pathfinding news. We've got, um, oh, we've got so much news. I don't even know where to start. Let's start with D&D because um, we're, we're there talking you about You want to start with now. D&D? I do. Okay. okay. Let's okay. get it done. So... We got the covers and details of the sort of 2023 slate of products yes. were revealed. Yes. So we knew about the products. We knew what they were, but we hadn't seen them before. We mm-hmm. hadn't seen the covers Ooh. of them before. So mm-hmm. we've got the covers now, and we'll put a link in the show notes to those because, you know, it's a podcast. You can't see them with your ears. What's interesting is this was all supposed to start in the spring, and mm-hmm. we're kind of leaving spring soon. And uh, mm-hmm. it's actually all been pushed back to August. Oh. With the first book, which was Big B Presents Glory of the Giants. That was supposed to be coming out this spring. It's now coming out August the 15th. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh um, of course. So Big B's book of, of Big Boys. That's one. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To give it its proper yeah. name. Yes. Yeah. So that's coming August the 15th. There's going to be two variants, two variant yeah. covers, like they do with like the special edition cover for the Hobby Shops is the, thing, is the thing they do. And basically, it's a big old book of lore about giants. It's got 76 yeah. stat blocks in it. It's got feats. It's got a giant subclass. It's got all sorts of stuff in it. Oh, nice. A giant yeah. subclass? Yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. I, mean, I don't okay. think the subclass is giant. I mean, it's a subclass related to giants. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> it's not like a 10-page subclass. <laughs> <laughs> or just written in a really big font. This is an unusually <laughs> large goblin. Ah, oh, yeah, at level three, took a subclass in giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or maybe the giant took a subclass in goblin. <laughs> oh, even better. <laughs> But also, this is interesting, they didn't mention this before. This is new on the schedule. Mm-hmm. It just kind of like popped in there. Um, yes. so, um, yeah, we only found out about it this week. So there's a, there's a, there's a new book called The Practically Complete Guide to Dragons mm-hmm. that's coming out also on August the 15th. But we had like Drakes on the Plane like last year or the year before. Yeah. Yeah. We had this band's okay. guide yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, so this one's a 128 page hardcover. Right. And it covers dragon, anatomy, society, language, hordes, magic, les, and stuff. So it's a full-on law book, mm-hmm. apparently. Right. There's no rules in this. It's 100% law. Mm. Nice. And as best I can make out, it's kind of aimed at kids. It's kind of an illustrated kids' dragon law book. Is this not a reprint of a book? Because I, as a kid, definitely read a book that is very much what you're describing. Yeah. Maybe. There was, in 2006... Yes. I mean, you weren't a kid in 2006, no, but uh, close. <laughs> uh, uh, there was the Practical Guide to Dragons, mm. um, and they followed that yeah. up with a Practical Guide to Dragon Magic. 
And those were kind of illustrated books for kids. I and they were yeah. like, um, designed for younger readers. And there was this wizard called Sindri Suncatcher, who was kind of like the sort of fictional journalist compiling all these notes about dragons. Mm. Okay. Um, so this is a compilation of the best parts of those books. Mm. So in a so way, good. yes. Is one of those. Yeah. I think, it's, I wonder if this is coming out now because of the Dungeons and Dragons movie. So people, that perhaps saw the film, liked it, aren't into playing the game. Yeah, this is a product that they can, you know, it's a good gift yeah. to give someone that's like, you're into this sort of thing. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if you look at the cover of it, it's not like the D&D game branded sort of trade dress, you know, no, with that little red slash and the sort of big logo at the top and stuff. It's, it's got a different cover layout and stuff. So it's obviously not designed as a mm-hmm. actual D&D book book. Yeah. But it is official still and it's still by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. It's like an extra thing, like the cookbook they do, you know, it's like a... D&D branded yeah. thing to have. Yeah, 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 yeah. A rule book thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Well, the cookbook's licensed out, though. It's not made by wizards. That's the difference there. This is made, being made by wizards. Oh, right. I didn't realise the cookbook yeah. was licensed out. Yeah, the cookbook is a licensed out thing. A third yeah. party's making it. Like, oh, yeah. Fair enough. Special deal with wizards. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, mm. you know, I thought that was interesting. So, that, that, so those yeah. two are both August the 15th, Big B and the Practically Complete Guide to Dragons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we follow up on September the 19th. And this is all crammed into a really short period, August through November, at the end of this year. Nothing up until yeah. then. And then we've got all of these. Right. So on September so, the 19th, we then got Fandelva and Below, the Shattered Obelisk. Mm-hmm. The Shattered what? So that is the Shattered Obelisk. Obelisk? Obelisk. Okay. Not obelisk. Okay. Fair enough. No, obelisk. obelisk. Why did you know. say it like you didn't know what the word was? It's not like you said, oh, the, the Shattered Flamingo. Like... <laughs> <laughs> You could have. Uh, <laughs> My mistake. It is in fact called Fandelva and Below Obelisk. the Shattered Flamingo. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, you just said <laughs> like I could not possibly know what you mean. With that, Obelisk got Obelisk. Yeah. I I don't know when Russ is uh, mispronouncing things uh, for comedy effect or not. Sometimes, uh, but yes, it's definitely. To be fair, I do do that. In this case, I'm not. Anyway, okay. so this one is. A. <laughs> It's definitely not. I mean, you say you say comedy effect. That's stretching the definition a little. But but yes, I do do that. Well, anyway, this we is stretch the definition of comedy here all the time, Russ. Okay, so just to get back on point. So the shattered obelisk. Yes. What's that about? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two hundred twenty-four page adventure. Levels one to twelve. It's got a poster map in it. It's got sixteen Sweet. new monsters in it, and Ooh. it's coming on September the nineteenth. Great. Cool. Yes. So that's that is what is happening there. Then what's happening yeah. next month in October, Russ? October is Planescape Woo. Adventures in the uh, Multiverse. Nice. So this is, as far as I can make out, very similar to the Spelljammer set. Three yes. hardcovers mm-hmm. in either a box or a slipcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a 96-page guide to Sigil. Not mm-hmm. Sigil, Sigil. It is pretty Sigil. Sigil. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, um, the, the city at the centre of Planescape, and it's kind of focusing there rather than the whole sort of broad mm-hmm. spectrum of planes, as far as I can make out. I think it is um, There's a 64-page bestiary, and there's a 96-page adventure, poster map, and a DM screen. Mm. And that's okay. coming out October the 16th. If you want but to I adventure think basically it's, then. If you want to know what it's yeah. like, just look at the uh, Spelljammer set. It sounds like it's going to be very similar to that. Mm. Okay. And then, Russ, on this theme, is there something coming out in November? <sighs> there could be. There could be. There is. And this one hasn't got a price yet, so they haven't priced it yet, mm-hmm. but it's the Book of Many Things, which is, in fact, like a whole set of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got 
66 illustrated cards, yeah. which is up from the 22 in the original deck of many things. So they've got loads of new cards. Yeah. Um, they've got a 192 page book with lore and character options and magic items and monsters and things. Mm-hmm. We've got an 80 page card reference guide. And this is all coming in a slipcase, and it's coming on November the 14th. Nice. It's okay. almost like they have all these awesome yeah. 5e books they want to get out this year before releasing the core books next year, one would think. Mm. Yeah. So that, yeah, so that's, that's Wizards' upcoming schedule, at least for the next year. They're busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've got a lot of stuff coming there out. There is a busy logistics market. Um, it's interesting they're bringing out a complete law book rather than a rules book as well. I find that interesting. Because mm. they did that in the run-up to 4th edition. The, or was it fifth edition? One of them. They started bringing out some law-only books with no rules content. Well, it makes sense because then you know yeah. it's going to be compatible mm. with the new thing, so you can start writing that book whilst you know people are still working on the new edition and the new rules, and you don't have to yeah slow down or, or wait for that. You can just yeah yeah. We're well, talking of D and D books. Mm-hmm. You hear they're going up in price. Boy, have I heard it! And boy, has the internet had thoughts, opinions, <laughs> and feelings about it. And really? that is why we're going to be talking oh. about uh, the price of printing and shipping books later in the show. Mm. But this is basically what's happening. So yeah. the recommended retail price, which isn't necessarily the price that you're going to find it on Amazon or wherever or at your shop. It's just the RRP of the books. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, they've always basically been for the hardcovers forty nine ninety nine. You probably yes. did get them cheaper somewhere else. But the mm. RRP for the hardcover books has pretty much always been forty nine ninety nine dollars Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going up to fifty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, that is if you pre-order. I mean, starting with Big B Presents, if you pre-order it now, and yes. you can pre-order it now, it's just appeared on D&D Beyond for pre-order, you can yes. get it for $59.99, so it's an extra $10. Right. However, hmm. after the pre-order window closes, yes. it will then be $69.99. Oh, okay. Right. But you do get the D&D Beyond version with it then. So it's a, oh, it's okay. a print and digital bundle. But I imagine you have to order that through D&D Beyond. D&D Beyond, presumably, to get that, I yeah. guess. Mm, well, that is a I don't big know, change. A mm. big change from their previous practice, which was, oh, you want a PDF? How about no? Does that work for you? Works mm. for us. Yeah. Um, unlike yeah. virtually every other retailer of RPGs in the yeah. entire world. They're still charging a- you for it, though. Yeah, yeah. Mind. They're still charging oh, yeah, you for yeah. it. They're not giving you the digital version for free. No, no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah, they're going yeah. up. I mean, they, they said it was because the costs, the cost of goods and shipping, continually increasing. And right. so the new release print books are going up. Mm-hmm. Digital books are not going up, and backlist stuff isn't going up. So it's new yeah. stuff going forward is going mm-hmm. up in price. Right. I'm um, not going to share any opinions of my own at this point, but I'm going to state some facts. So a fact is this has the first time five U books have had a price increase since 2014. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that has happened. Yeah. Online, there are some people that are saying this is a bad thing because it's a money grab. Why are they doing this? Cost of things, yada yada. That is a fact. People are saying that. Another fact is some people are saying that this is a good thing because D and D is the biggest brand. They set the bar for kind of pricing, and this means mm. other indie publishers can also raise the price of their books. Yes. Which is true mm. in a way because um, people are used, whatever D&D charges, people think that's what a D&D book costs. Mm. Um, and yeah. since so, RPG equals D&D, which is yes. a thing that I run into every day, mm-hmm. I have people sign up on the group saying, oh, I'd like to play some D&D. I'm like, yeah, just, just come along on Wednesdays and we'll sort you out. 
with obviously no intention whatsoever of running D&D, and they have mm. a perfectly good time because they're there to do some role-playing games. But mm. movers, vacuum cleaners, there we go. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so this this yeah. is kind of the conversation I've seen online around it, yes. which hasn't yeah. been that concise or polite generally <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> you mean a conversations about this sort of thing have been long rambling and dare we say it whiny? I'll say it whiny. Well, <laughs> shock me. Some have been whiny. Some have been very passionate. Some, well, oh, it no. it's a thing that matters to a no. lot of people. We are absolutely, in yeah. It's a, I mean, cost of living crisis. It cost money. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, but anyway, those are the facts. But we're going to go into D and D book pricing <laughs> and stuff like that later. Yes. Okay. So we'll talk about the price of a replica later. We're going to be talking about the actual cost of producing a book later. So great. But for now, um, yeah, that is happening. They are going up. New books, they are going up by about ten dollars. But you are getting D and D Beyond lumped in with it now. But like twenty dollars, didn't you say? Because the pre-order price was twenty dollars for after the pre-order window. Yeah, Yeah. but you will. I'm sure you'll be able to get them much cheaper elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, if you you go on Amazon, you'll still probably be able to get them to like thirty. Because that's the recommended retail price, but retailers can choose to sell at whatever they want. But that's the price people recommend to get their fifty percent profit margin. Yeah. Anyway, we'll go into that later. What else have the wizards on the coast been up to? Okay, we got some statistics about the D and D player demographics. I love statistics. Okay. So, in amongst all the sort of press stuff they were doing over the last week, the, to- the topic of D&D demographics came up, and they were talking to GeekWire about this, yeah. and they, they they gave out some stats. Now, my, my sense is these, this was just kind of a quick conversation, so these you know they didn't delve in too deeply into these stats, mm-hmm. and there's, there's a bit of rounding going on, but because some of the stats made people angry because they weren't represented in the stats, mainly yeah. older people. Um, were angry that they weren't represented in the stats. So, um, mm-hmm. 60% of D&D players are male, 39% are female, and 1% identify otherwise. Mm-hmm. We've got 60% are what they call hybrid players. So over half of players switch between playing the game physically and playing online. Yeah, ah. that, that would be me. I would identify yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. 58% of players play D&D on a weekly basis. Yeah. I- yeah. I played yeah. TTRPGs on a weekly basis, not D&D. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time I played D&D 5th edition. <laughs> oh, now you're asking. <laughs> what else have we got? We've got 48% of them identify as... This is, this is, this is the generational stuff now. So 48% of them, millennials. 19% generation X. 33% from generation Z or Z, depending where you live. So what, what, what I did see was, like, obviously boomers aren't included in that breakdown because it's less than 1%. Mm. And they were kind of rounding. So boomers are a rounding error, almost. And people got angry that they weren't represented in that breakdown. Like it's yeah. like Wizards of the Coast fault <laughs> that they weren't playing D and I don't know. But um, and I, my kind of thought of that was, why did you're playing D and D and you're enjoying it? Fine, that's great. Why does it matter? Something to complain well, about, isn't I it? I mean, you know, isn't it good that new people are joining the hobby, young people are joining the hobby? Because every boomer goes, you know, when someone goes, I've been playing since 1975 or something, and I'm not represented in the stats. It's like, yeah, and how old were you in 1975? You were a kid in 1975 playing D&D. And now there are more kids playing D&D, doing exactly what you did. Why, why is that a problem? And I wonder if there's more people in that age demographic playing TTRPGs, like other things, and not specifically D and D Five E, because this is obviously people playing D and D. This is just people playing D and D, exactly. Yeah. 
So I, I wonder, because I know when I was at um, the club, I, I went to in Bournemouth, and this was a while ago, I was there because I've been for a few years, mm. but um, D&D wasn't the only thing on offer there. Like, there were some day- games of D&D there, but mm. a lot of the people that were offering different systems you know, there were were people that were maybe in that age demographic because I had some great game masters and people I played games mm-hmm. with. And they they were like, oh, I'm running Traveller. I'm running, you know, Swords no. of the Six, Jaws of the Six, Six mm. Serpent, whatever it's called. Um, so it was, <laughs> so I, I wonder if yeah. it'd be interesting to know the difference between TTRPG and D&D within those demographics. Mm. I have no way to how to access that data though. <laughs> with respect to representation, it's uh, actually quite reasonable to want to see yourself represented because it's sort of a validation of you as a person on the screen. For instance, a lot of people have complained that The Little Mermaid is black and a lot of people who are black are like, actually, it's really nice to have my kids be able to see themselves represented on the screen. So, yeah, I, I sort of do get that they would be annoyed yeah, but that representation in media hmm. is different from a statistical percentage of who is doing a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they yeah, were no, like, D&D was like, we are not going to represent anyone over the age of 35 in any of our products, that would be yeah. a representation yes. issue. That's not what they're doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But but, but this so is I, just, yeah. I, I, I do understand this. <laughs> I'm saying that for people feelings it's like they're looking and they're not seeing themselves represented which for a lot of people that are part of the baby boom they're very used to being seen and heard from quite a lot so mm-hmm. uh, yeah it, it's a thing um i mean i would say like if you want to be represented more then you do have to make sure that you're filling in all the uh, information and all the surveys and there needs to be enough of you doing that because the amount of players has exploded so much. It's just wild. Like we are living in a different world from 10 years ago, let alone 40. Yeah. Well, well, going on from that, they, they mm. said that the majority of mm. current D&D players yeah. at present yeah. started with 5th edition. Mm. Yeah, I could well believe it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it has, it has massively exploded. Did they have like a total number? No. They didn't report no, no. no numbers, just percentages. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they didn't, they didn't give us a number. Of the 10 mm. people they asked. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Less than one were boomers. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that that is probably the D&D news for the, for the week. There's quite a lot of D&D news this week, but that's probably it. Great. Yeah. Um, I did have something that I thought people who are interested in role-playing more generally might be interested in. Mm-hmm. There's the Archives of Alexandria. Discuss. Okay. It is a Danish project. It's been going from about 2006. And what they're doing oh, is they're breaking collecting... Breaking I mean, sure. Um, <laughs> they, like, maybe you've already heard of them. Maybe you're intimately familiar with their work. I'm just wasting your time. Um, on the off chance that I'm not, and I think maybe I'm not, they have been collecting one-offs for conventions and LARP systems. So if that applies to any of our listeners and you've run a one-off or you've run a LARP, they would actually quite like to hear from you about that. Uh, At current time, as of this year, at the start of January 2023, they broke 13,000 scenarios collected. As of May this year, they broke 14,000 scenarios collected. So if 
And the idea is to actually have these ephemeral, um, beautiful little pieces of art, which you very rarely get to see in print, collected together. If you want to see yourself collected, then that's actually a worthwhile thing to do, just to help preserve what is actually a fairly important part of culture. It's not massive, but it's still an important part of our culture. So, the archives of Alexandria, uh, alexandria.dk, because uh, as I say, Danish. Nice. Thanks. I didn't yeah. know about that, so thanks for sharing. There's a new a release for Troika, the role-playing game system, from Grizzly Eye, aka Rich, uh, Rick Woods, which cool. is essentially, it's uh, called War God, and it's um, very much in the British OSR traditions, and there's 66 different um, classes that you can that are all to do with, like, gods, deities, and so forth that you could use in your games of Troika. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Okay. I have some news. Oh, you tell. Yes. Prove from... it. Okay. I'll <laughs> tell you now. So I have news from Paizo. Yes. This week they told us two kind of stuff and things. The first stuff uh, the first stuff they told us about was the remaster of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Uh, so they did a blog co- post talking about the new approach to ancestries, Ooh. and they talked a bit about their decision to make the removal of alignments from the game, which we, we talked about a couple of weeks back when we went into um, to going into that release they did. Oh, um, yeah, and they're yeah, saying yeah. rather than giving indications like lawful or good for ancestries, uh, the cultures will get different popular edicts. Uh, so the dwarf's ancestry, yes. for example, is given... Create art with beauty and utility. Hunt the enemies of your people. Keep your clan nice. dagger close. Um, mm. So yeah, edicts so, and anathema. That's one. That's yes. the one. Yes, yes. that yes. is. I'm really looking forward to seeing that come out because that that sounds like some proper role playing gasoline to throw onto a fire. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, and also they talked about ancestry feats as well because they're giving them another look over to bring them in line with the mm. new rule set. Uh, so yeah. So that is the blog. Oh. So if you want to go into more detail about that, there is a blog post which we linked on EM World. And Paizo are also mm-hmm. busy doing things um, because we, we mentioned before that Pathfinder's using the Nexus, um, like on Demi. Pathfinder Nexus is going to be on Demi Plane, like the online mm. kind of VTT sort of situation. Uh, so yes. the tools are available for testing. So there is an open mm-hmm. beta testing. Uh, so you can go on to Demi Plane and check out the character builder, online character sheets. Um, which automatically calculates roles for you. Um, it does include every character option in officially published Pathfinder Second Edition books. So it's got all of them. Ooh, there's wow. you can have seven different character slots, and there's a few Ooh. more features, but that's the main kind of bit of it. So they're going into there, yeah. uh, so you can go check that out and have a look. Um, and it is available for free. Nice. But but there are Ooh. premium add-ons that you can oh. buy, so you can choose different ancestry, heritage, backgrounds. Da 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 da. So you mm. can get a free version, but there's you know other bits. But uh, if you have purchased the books from Pathfinder um, Nexus, yes. you can link it to this. Sorry, if you bought something on the Paizo online store, you can link it to your Pathfinder Nexus account. So you don't have to oh. buy it again. And nice. you get a discount to purchase stuff on... Oh, no, you get a discount to purchase stuff on that platform. So Ooh. Nice. But yeah. So there is a free version, but there's also going to be paid stuff on there, which isn't the most shocking thing because, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's on the website. You don't need to install anything, so you can go check it out. And the links, again, are on the Ian World article. But yeah, so stuff's happening with Pathfinder for the new revised, remastered second edition. Yeah, I I was going to segue seamlessly from what Jessica was saying about heritages. What were you just going to say? Coincidentally, I have 
just released a new Heritage, which is currently on sale on DriveThruRPG, along with the rest of the Advanced 5th Edition line. Mm-hmm. Uh, for um, Well, people have told me that Satire is dead. I disagree. You can now play uh, Satos in um, Saluni, which is the horse ones, Fawns, mm-hmm. which are the goat ones, or Wood Roses, which are really more the wild people of the woods. Um, and that is available on DriveThruRPG. That's me. So, yeah, um, I'm shamelessly self-promoting. What are you going to do? Well, there's nothing we can do now, Peter, because it's done. It's all done. (laughs) But I shall selflessly promote another company, uh, (gasps) uh, Darrington Press, to be specific. Critical Role, as we like to call them. The publishing arm of Critical Role. Uh, So we talked about, was it last week or the week before, uh, Candela Obscura role-playing game that they're bringing out. And they've released yeah. a quick start guide mm. to this. Uh, so it's 26 pages. It has a very light touch on talking about the rule system. So there's it's a D6 dice pool system. But, so, and it does mention the rules. It's like, yeah, the rules are here. But listen to our cool story is the main vibe of it. Um, so it's like a, mm. it talks about the setting of the horror RPG. And um, there's an adventure that they're, the adventure they're playing through, which is called Dress to Kill. Mm. So it is... Um, very focused on kind of the setting and the story more than the, the specific rules in this quick start guide. But yeah, but that's available for you to download and take a look at. And the full rules obviously are coming out later this year. And the actual play series has yeah. uh, started this week. I think it was like Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So this is inspired by two two game systems. Mm-hmm. So that's Blades in the Dark and Free League's Vason. Oh, yeah, yeah. uses presumably year zero, I guess. Yeah. But I think Blades in the Dark is the big, the big inspiration mm-hmm. there because the system yeah. does look like it's quite similar to Blades in the Dark. They've, they've acknowledged this and uh, the, the Illuminated World system Candela Obscura was inspired by so much inciting tech from all over the role-playing game space, most notably John Harper's Blades in the Dark and Free League Publishing's Vason. It's built on the shoulders of giants and uh, I can't wait for people to try it. And um, John Harper's sort of uh, tweeted, I noticed also, the creator of Blades in the Dark, um, and tweeted that um, he was very excited about this new sort of implementation of the system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting, because it's like literally the live stream. Is it this week? Is it today? Or was it yesterday? I think it was, it was yesterday. Thurs- was I think it was Thursday, yeah. So yesterday for us. It was us. yesterday, yeah, yeah. So that's launched now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people have seen it. People yeah, have seen okay. the game in action. I didn't watch it. I'm guessing you two didn't either. I did not, no, no. We're terrible no. reporters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we are. That we are. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. That... But yeah, kind of obscure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the actual game, Illuminated World System, is like coming out later this year, isn't it? Yeah, so the I actual game's they're previewing later this year. it at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're previewing it at Gen Con, then it's coming out later this year. But yeah, this is just a quick look at a bit of it, really. You know what has launched this week, though? What has worked this week? <laughs> uh, you will know when I say it. You have, to, you have to narrow it down a little, Jess. Okay. Kickstarter. Yes. Oh, you're talking Black Flag? No, I was going to talk about Epic Threats. Uh, why have you Kickstarter? Oh, okay. No, I, I was actually talking about <laughs> Tales of the Valiant. Yes. So on the same day uh, yeah. our Kickstarter launched, Tales of the Valiant launched as well, which, hey, what are you going to do? Oh, it's doing so well as well, isn't yeah. it? Tales like... of the Valiant is, yeah. So that is Cobalt Press's, originally you might know it as Project Black Flag. So it's their take. Mm. Um, the 5e so basically the OGL came out in January and like ah we we hate this we're going to make our own thing curses you wizards is what they said Uh, not a direct quote but you know 
And yeah, they've done it. The Kickstarter is out and it's got... <laughs> Two days in, 700,000 almost. <laughs> well, before it launched, we were like, oh, this is easily going to be a million dollar Kickstarter. Yeah, it's very clearly going to be. And yeah, it's going to be yeah. more than that. Maybe like, maybe well, two. I said, I said, I said maybe two, two. Three million. You did yeah. say two yeah. last week, I think, Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Peter, um, you might be right. Peter, we owe you a drink or something then because you were correct. Well, our, our rule of thumb always has yeah. been... I mean, for our Kickstarters, at least, something mm-hmm. will do what it does in the first day. It will do mm-hmm. three times that overall is mm-hmm. generally how we found. It varies a little bit, yeah. but yeah, yeah. on it's average, rough... it works. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did about, I think, probably about half a million in the first day. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe we're talking about 1.5 million. Yeah. I don't know, but. Yeah, maybe yeah. two. That's maybe two. Went. But yeah, yeah, so all the, all the pledge stuff is there. I had a look. I had a look at the Kickstarter page, and yeah. I, I couldn't. Yeah, they got a bit of information, you know, but it's it's very yeah. much five E at its core with tweaks and changes to it, as you'd expect. And they've got yeah, yeah. lots of VTT options as well, and you know, PDF only versions. So yeah, yeah. So it's going really well, and it's going to be open until June twenty third. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be the next million dollar club member. Definitely, and it will be in a few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, Russ, you were saying the other day that haven't been as many million dollar Kickstarters because it used to be there was a time when no. it was like every month that was happening. Well, there was, yeah, it was like one or two a month mm-hmm. throughout most of last year, certainly yeah. up until probably autumn last year. It was mm-hmm. like one or two a month. It was pretty much constant. And then since then, I think we've had two. Yeah. Including this one. So they've slowed right down. Interesting. And I don't know why, but they have slowed right down million dollar Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. Mm. Could be anything. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Maybe hey, the cost of living crisis is. we're this... living through. Who knows? Oh, yeah. It might be that. It might be that, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it almost certainly does factor into it, I'm sure. Because it is an investment. Like, buying a book that you know you're not going to get for a year or two. Yeah. Like... And a million-dollar Kickstarter generally requires a pretty high pledge tier. Yes. You're mm. not going to get a million-dollar Kickstarter out of something that average pledge tier is $50. It's got to yeah. be way over 100 really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, I will say that... I looked at it, but I felt $120 for both the hardback books, plus an undisclosed, an, an unknown amount of shipping in the future was probably a bit much for me. So I'll mm. have to revisit my finances and think how I feel about the PDFs. And mm. hopefully they will have enough sufficient that maybe some will make their way over to the UK. Who can say? Oh, they will. Oh, they'll, yeah. They'll be It'll, I'll be shooketh to my core if it wasn't yeah. available at UK retail when it came out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be on Amazon. It'll be everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's not going to be around for another year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they are, they are, they are. They've got playtest documents, and they've got previews, mm. and they've got a sort of a, a sort of like sixty odd page. I think was it kind of PDF you can download with the sort of yeah. bare bones of it in there. Mm-hmm. But mm. the actual books we're looking at next year. At which point we'll see the final because they're still playtesting it and they're still developing it, and those yeah. playtest documents are still coming out. So mm. yeah. So, I think yeah. if you're on the Kickstarter as well, they'll give you opportunities to play test and try stuff. So if you, if you do want to be yeah. part of that development process, this is a good time to jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, good luck to them. Well, they don't need luck, do they? No, they don't need, they don't need <laughs> no. luck for us. They got it. But yeah, it's... They can have it anyway. I think, yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting in the, the time we're in now, post-OGL, with the way the industry's reacting and things that are happening. Um, mm. So I think, yeah, I think it's a really interesting industry time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the uh, Marvel Multiverse role-playing game is coming very soon now. We've Ooh. had a playtest book. I, I bought the playtest book, actually, oh, um, which a lot of people 
weren't so keen on, but you know, it's a playtest book. It's supposed yeah. to generate feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual hardcover, the proper proper game, is coming out on August the first, so pretty mm-hmm. soon now. Um, mm-hmm. And they've had lots and lots of changes based on based on playtest. Um, so they uh, streamline actions. Um, I mean, you have to be kind of familiar with the playtest book for any of this to make sense. But they're, they're kind of streamlining a lot of stuff, um, and they're, they're, the basic mechanic is you roll 3d6, you add up the numbers, and add the ability score, and you compare it to a target number. So um, cool. there's a whole blog post, and it goes into sort of like uh, 21 different power sets, which kind of work as kind of like categories, like sets, and there's like 300 specific powers okay. in total divided into those 21 sets. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got a sort of FAQ up there and things like that. But um, yeah, coming out August. I mean, a lot of stuff's coming out August because it's Gen Con time, basically. And that's that's why probably like the the D and D stuff's coming out then, and you know, mm-hmm. lots lots of things are coming out August. So um, yeah, yeah, for people who are into the Marvel Multiverse role playing game, it is nearly here. Yeah. Not far off. A few weeks away. Yeah. Um, oh, do you reckon we might be able to play at the UK Games Expo? No. Uh, no, it won't be out by then. No. no. No, not without a time machine, anyway. Mm. Anyway, anyway, is there any more news? I have some industry news. Oh. So the Embracer Group, so they own Asmodee, um, who also own Mm. Edge Studios in tabletop. And Fantasy Flight Games as well, yeah. Yeah, so Mm. they're in that umbrella of it. Um, So the Embracer Group as a whole posted their annual financial report to their shareholders, and it was disappointing, (laughs) The, the technical business turn. Term. Mm-hmm. So the tabletop game holdings, which are the ones yeah. we just mentioned, actually did well and had a 6% gro- uh, growth. So that mm. area of the business is doing well. But the business in video games was below expectations. And yeah, and they lost a partnership deal that was supposedly worth about $2 billion over the next six years. So that won't be happening. But yeah, so that's that's what happened there. So it's interesting because there's lots of big companies that have a little hand in tabletop things. And what I've noticed is that generally the tabletop bit is going well, but everything else kind of isn't. Mm. But anyway, the, the the stock caused the company to drop more than 40%. Yikes. Wow. And I don't know anything about stocks and exchange and how that works, but even I'm like, that's probably... It sounds like a lot, though, doesn't it? That's probably <laughs> not good. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't really understand that stuff either, but that does sound like... Yeah. yeah. So... A bad thing to happen. So I'm wondering if these big companies are going to be turning to their tabletop sections now and be like, hey, these are actually growing and making us money. Maybe we should invest in those. Because that's generally when I see reports like this, well, definitely this year, yeah. that's been the case. They're like, overall, it's going badly. But actually, these people really like their nerdy books and things. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. All right, then. And that is all the news I have, unless anyone that would like to news. share something crowdfunding other I than... I think that's it. Other than... Tales of the Valiant. We, of course, have our yeah, yeah. Kick, quick starter for the next two weeks, Epic Threats, which is high-level monsters and NPCs. Ooh. So they're yeah. all kind of different things, CR 11 to 20, uh, monsters and NPCs. So oh, if you're doing the one after that, play. I'm super excited for. Yes, the What's Old is New role-playing s- system. so excited about I, did, I know the What's did, Old is New. Did we not want to launch that at the same time Tales of the Valiant was out, Russ? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. No, but, I, but, I'm but, super excited because what sort of news my baby? So you know, I. But you know. but yeah, but you know, can you tell me a little bit about epic threats? Like, what's your favourite of these epic monsters that you got in there? Okay, well, there are two villain spotlights. So there are oh. 
five high level NPCs, uh, six elementals, uh, like five goblinoids and orcs, which are all really cool. Great. Mm-hmm. However, um, we have two villain spotlights, which kind of give you the stats for them, but also flesh it out into kind of an encounter, like little mini adventure oh, yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And I really like, um, and the reason I chose this collection, because I, I sit and put it, put it kind of together from all the lovely designs that made stuff. Um, and it's Carthus, mm. the Fallen God. Oh. This is a CR20 epic encounter. And nice. the description is like, you. it might be more appropriate to think of Carthus as a trickster deity, as he uses his uh, power through merciless deception, uh, peerless guile, and exquisite planning. Mm. And the adventure is using, Carthus uses the players as pawns in a deadly game to reclaim his place in the cosmos. Uh, so yeah. that's kind of the pitch. Uh, so I won't say too much oh. more in case people actually yeah. want to play. Yeah. But that character is really cool, and there's really awesome artwork mm. for it as well. And... Mm. Yeah, and I just think it's nice sometimes if you're running a campaign to just have some interesting different like monsters or, or villains to just put into your like world and flesh it out. Yeah. And yeah, mm. and this this just this an ex god, a fallen like a, god. Yes, yes. Well, yes. presumably that means that they're not like a proper god anymore. Well, are they? Well, that mm. would be telling Peter if I go into more that detail. Would be telling. But yeah. if you would like to know, Peter, for the next two weeks, Epic Threats, High Level <sighs> Monsters and NPCs is available on Kickstarter. Ooh, um, very exciting. Yeah, and we, as yes. always, give you the PDF uh, immediately. So in 11, yes. or when you're listening to this, in 10 days' time, you'll have the PDF. So And then Hello. the next month, we'll get you the software of a book. Yeah. So yeah, so that is that. Right. <laughs> and and then, then, as Russ that... was saying, what's old is new role-playing system, which is Russ's yes. baby. Yes. Which you're very excited about. So yeah, Russ, you're, you're super excited about it. Obviously, like you, when did you when did you first kickstart what old what's old is new? It's going back a bit, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember. Twenty sixteen, seventeen. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So what? I honestly don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so, on yeah. twenty. It was twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Even further back. Wow. So just in time for oh. its eighth anniversary. No, that was when. Mm. Delivery was of the rewards was August 2015, so it's probably launched oh. a little bit before then because that is how. Nice. nice. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah. But that's coming out after um, Epic Threats, so that's going to be like next month, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll look talk- forward to hearing about it more. We'll then. talk about that. Maybe I'll have you on Not D&D to talk about it so people are interested in learning more about the starter set and the system really? in general. That, that's fair, actually. It is. Definitely not D&D. It's not D&D. It's a D6 dice pool yeah. system uniquely made by yeah. Russ. It's very much not D&D. Yes. All right. It's it's a, it does. I, I will say it does have one of my absolute favourite mechanics in it, which I do steal and use for pretty much any game wherever I think I can find a use for it. Hell, I've even used that mechanic in Honey Heist. That's how much I like it. There we go. Countdown. It's a good one. Mm. Yeah. I do like my countdown mechanic. I, I do it. like it. Yes. Yeah. Makes me happy. Anyway, <laughs> I think we've probably done the news. We yes. have done the news. Huzzah. Good work, everyone. Oh, what an awesome campaign. I know, right? I mean, I'm sad it's over, but that was one epic finale. Six years of plots all culminating so neatly. It was, quite frankly, sublime. Oh, and that twist. I mean, who saw that coming? I will miss my character, but I'm excited about the future. What shall we play next, my friends? Oh, it'll be a hard act to follow, but, you know, after six years of Barrows and Bear Owls, I'm kind of ready for a change. Yeah, I mean, it is time to branch out. I mean, the world, as they say, is our oyster. You know, I never did understand that phrase. Why is the world an oyster? 
Oh, it's a Shakespeare thing? You know, something about swords and oysters and pearls, or, you know, something like that. Uh, yeah, well, never mind that, never mind that. Look, let's just pick a new game. Look, look, what's on the shelf here? Look, I'll have that. Megapunk 47K, or some space exploration with Space Hike, or those 10-gallon hats based on that 80s TV show about oil barons, uh, uh, Voices of the Far Realms, Zombie Cowpokes, Friend Computer. You sure have a lot of games. How many do you reckon you have there? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, some of them are old games, and yeah, others, they're like from Kickstarter. Wow. Um, how many of them have you played? Hmm, well, aside from Barrows and Bear Hours editions 1 through 17. Well, aside from those, obviously. Uh, well, you know, I'm just, you know, so busy these days. So, none of them? Oh, well, I, I wouldn't say none. Oh, okay. Then how many of them have you actually played? I mean, I'd have to think about it. It looks like you've backed every Kickstarter for the last 12 years. And you have so many games from the 1980s. This room is practically a time vortex. I can't help it. You know, I, I see a new RPG and I have to have it. And yet all you've played is Barrows and Barrels. Editions 1 to 17, mind. Uh, to be sure, 17 editions of the world's premier tabletop RPG is no mean feat. But even so... No, 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 look, look, no, no. I played Spook Breakers. And Shining Supers, and I've definitely played Her Majesty's Super Spies. When? Can't be that long ago. Uh, in the last year? Uh, well, you know, not, not as such. Oh, the last decade, at least. Um, this century? Um, well, maybe not so much. Look, I know it's a problem. Too right it's a problem. Uh, just all these games and just no time to play them. <laughs> it's a travesty, that's what it is. I mean, you spent, what, hundreds? Thousands. Thousands on games you'll never even play. Oh, I, I like to read them. Oh, h- how many have you read? Ah, well, I, I read the uh, back cover on some of them. <laughs> I can't stand by. This, my friend, is an intervention. Intervention? Yes. You know, we're going to confront your problem head on. And we're going to start by playing some of these bleeding games. Well, uh... Okay, um, uh, so uh, what should we start with? Uh, Breaker, Gangs of Andromeda? Okay, but bear in mind, we don't really have time to learn a new system. So. True, true. We'll start easy. Nothing too radical. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Uh, remember one of these games that uses the Barrows and Barrows game engine? I've got hundreds of those. Yes, yeah, yeah. Something that uses the B&B system. That sounds perfect. I mean, do you have a genre preference? I mean, there are B&B variations for pretty much anything you can think of. I don't think B&B would work well for, say, cosmic horror or superheroes. Yeah, or anything, like, too gritty, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should probably stick in the high fantasy genre. Uh, uh, right, okay, yeah. So there's, uh, uh, yeah, there's Swords and Destroyers, which is kind of like those uh, Bernard Schwarzenegger action films. Oh, yeah. Doesn't that do something funky with the magic system? Spell points instead of spell slots. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't quite hit me in the feels, you know what I mean? So, no new system or genre or major rules changes? Yeah, that's a ticket. So, what do you have that fits those criteria? Oh, well, it's uh, Barrows and Barrows 18th edition. Sold! Malak the Maleficent here. 
If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget patreon.com slash morris. Can I go now? Right, so the topic we were going to talk about this week is the basically the production. How much does it cost to make a D&D book or an RPG book? And mm. by make, I don't mean the development cost. We're yes. not talking here about the writing and the printing, uh, the writing and the art and all that stuff. We're talking about the physical production. So yeah. printing costs and shipping costs, basically. Dead the, tree in your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the physical costs of printing and producing a book. Yeah, so this does include the marketing. It doesn't include the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. to be clear, there's a lot of, of costs in making a book that aren't printing. Yes. Yeah. So when, when, when we tell you how much it costs to print a book and you think... Wow, but but these books are being sold for fifty dollars. Bear in mind that printing is only one of a hundred costs in making. It's book. one of yes, <laughs> it's, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not it's not even the biggest cost really, but um, no. it, but no, you know, no, I've not. seen well, I've I've seen so much um, conjecture online in the last week because of that information mm. about Wizards of the Coast increasing the price of books, mm. about what it costs to print a book. And the numbers which people are putting out there are wildly variant, you know. Yeah. All sorts of different numbers. So I thought we could just provide a little bit of insight because we do print similar books and we can actually say how much it does cost to physically do these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also, I feel I should just say things like profit margins. Like, everyone hears about profit margin. They just say, oh, no, that's too much. But I will say profit margins are kind of essential because they are what is pays the wages of the people who make the books, right? Mm-hmm. So you do need to have profit in there. It's not a bad thing. It's just just how it is, yeah? So it's how businesses run. Yeah, 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 basically. So, yeah. So just sort of like as a bit of clarity, so we know we know what Wizards of the Coast D&D books look like. So mm-hmm. we, um, and, and I'm going to say where we're getting our information from. So we produce fairly similar books in terms of yeah. the object. You know, yeah. similar sizes, 200 to 600 page hardcover, full color, offset print runs, same type of book, quality and binding and things like that. What we produce in essence is mm-hmm. very similar to what Wizards of the Coast produces. Not necessarily the content inside them, but physically the object mm-hmm. is very, very similar. Yes. Yeah. A so book. there is a direct comparison. So, you know, we're not, yeah. we're, I'm, you know, I, we, we kind of know what we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but there is a scaling factor, of course. We produce it at a much lower scale than Wizards. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say much lower. I say we might print two thousand books; yeah. they might print a hundred thousand books. You know, it's it's a lot, no. or more, or yeah. more. So there's a massive, massive difference in scale, and that we're does ta- make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about books that would fit in your in your living room and would be annoying, and books that would not fit in your house. Books that there's so many books that you could hide your house behind them. Mm-hmm. Is the difference in scale we're talking about? So you mm. know. Because, uh, like, t- 100,000 books, it's like it is very hard to lose a sense of scale with these sort of things. But, yeah, I mean, 2,000 books, that's yeah, possibly more. a lot of books, I mean, we yeah, don't know. Yeah. yeah, we don't know what Wizards print run sizes are. I mean, that's a no. guess. I mean, it yeah. could be more. I mean, who knows? But we suspect, as we discussed earlier in the podcast, that 
a printer would struggle with over 70,000 <laughs> yeah. books to be printed. So As one order, so they'd, they'd need to split that yeah. up, yeah. I oh. saw someone, I think it was Dyson um, Logos, yeah, yeah, who uh, posted, I think on, I can't on remember where, 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 yeah. He Maybe. put the price uh, of the books from 1974. Oh to no, that was yeah, that that, that was reposting Shannon Applecline's post. But um, ah, okay, my bad. I was I was going to get to that in a minute. But um, mm-hmm. uh, about how many copies of Tashes were rumored to have been printed? Mm. Now I don't know where this information comes from or how true it is, no. but the, the the kind of rumor is that there were more copies of Tashes Coltrane of everything printed than the entirety of the D and D four E print run. How many is that? I don't know how true that is. I don't, I, you know. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me because fifth edition has boomed. And as we just, yeah. as mm. they said in their stats earlier, mm. the, the majority of people playing D&D now started with fifth edition. Yeah. 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 It Which wouldn't is, be so shocked. So, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So let's, 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 look at, let's look at the print cost of a book then. So okay. This is how much it costs to print a book. So it obviously depends on the size of the book and what you do with it. Soft cover, hard cover, all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, just looking at our books, mm-hmm. I can tell you what we paid to print books, and mm-hmm. then um, I, I, I can show you how it goes down, with, depending on how many we print, and you can mm-hmm. extrapolate that up to 100,000 if you like. I can't tell you what it, it would, you know, how mm-hmm. low it would go at 100,000, but yeah. I tell you, the, the, the figures that I'm going to give now are what we pay, Wizards yeah. of the Coast is paying a lot less than us, because they are yeah. printing many, many more than us, and it yeah. goes down as you increase it, so... We're, we're, we're indulging in speculation at this point. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. So, uh, and the so, reason the costs go down is because it costs the printers to set up and to get it going. Once it's going, then it's a, almost a continuous process. It's every time they have to stop the presses, change things over. That adds a lot to their, their problems. Mm-hmm. And we're speaking like from various things like my, my background in working for a logistics company, my background in selling water treatment. The more you buy of something and you're guaranteed a paycheck, like the lower you can let your profit margins go because mm-hmm. 10% of a million is more than 50% of 20,000. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so you let your profit margins go low when you have a big lot of work coming in because mm-hmm. you get more money overall and, um, yeah. you know, you need to pay your people. So why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, let's look at a 230-page hardcover book. We've got we've got numbers for 230 pages, 600 pages, 370 pages, and 120 pages soft cover. So we've got figures for these four different types of product. Yeah, yeah. So looking at a 230-page hardcover book. Yeah. What would be a what, what what's a 230-page hardcover like? A like what's that PHB or something like that? Uh, book. Give me one second. Let me grab a player's yeah. handbook. I have a player's handbook in my hands. Yeah. So this player's handbook has about three hundred pages. Yeah. So about three hundred pages. That's a, so two hundred and seventy. That's about a player's handbook, mass or menos. Um, uh, oh, two hundred thirty. So it's a bit smaller than a player's handbook, but yeah, yeah. But they're also doing things like those, uh, the Planescape book that's upcoming, and the previous uh, Spelljammer book. Those were using ninety-six pages. So that's sort of like the difference in scale we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, they're doing slipcases and things like that. And yeah, yeah. I kind of want us to try and compare like for like, really. Just, no, no, the, just, just like, but it's the books that come yeah. in them. If you were to buy yeah. them separately, that's what we're driving at, yeah. Mm. Yeah, right then. So, I mean, I, I, I guess you, you guys probably know, but mm. before, if you can think back to a time before you knew how much it cost to print a book, 
Yeah. What would you have guessed it would cost to print a book like oh, that? Okay. Um, I know it's hard to think back to when you didn't know. So. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I know it retails for about, if it was retailing for about 50, but I'm mm. buying it for, I don't know, 25, 26 pounds, then I'd say probably in the region of a tenner. Right. Uh, that, okay. That's that's British pounds. Um, mm. So I don't know, like $15 currently or whatever. Mm. I'm finding it really um, hard okay. to think about that because my whole career in games has been doing that side of things. So I'm yeah. kind of like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, I, but there was I, a time I, when there was a time when you didn't know that, Jess. And it's just, there was a time I didn't time? know that, but I think at that time I wasn't thinking about it. Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> like, I, yeah, because yeah. as soon as I started yeah. thinking about it, I was because I was I just did research and then I was working in the yeah. So I, I didn't. Yeah. Know. Oh, actually, I'd like to change my answer slightly because I'd assume like ten fifteen is what the uh, person I've bought it off paid for it. So they're probably adding a profit margin. So re- probably, I would have said you couldn't be paying more. You know, they, they, they're like getting it for like about an seven quid or something, um, right. which is okay. your absolute bargain basement. That's that's what I've said, and it's like you're basically doubling it every time it goes through another pair of hands. That's what I've said. Right. Okay. Yeah. So so two hundred and thirty page hardcover book. Yeah. So it depends on how many units you print. Mm-hmm. So if you were to print that via print on demand. At a decent quality, one mm. unit mm. for a 230 page hardcover book. Go over to Drive Through RPG, whack it into their print cost calculator Ooh, to find out okay. how much that costs. Yeah, forty dollars. It's thirty nine something. It's forty dollars to print one, just to print that, it. Is that US or UK prices? Dollars, US, US dollars. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the rest of this conversation but, is going to be in mm. US dollars, just for clarity. Yeah. yeah. Well, well. Also, yeah. just for people who are speculating about dipping your feet into the indie scene or publishing. The US printing from Drive Through RPG actually costs probably something like 10, 12% more than UK printing. So it depends where you're selling your books. But so. Right, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so $40 for one 230 page hardcover. Just, this is so you can just see how the economies of yeah. scale works as you increase it. Yeah. Rack that up to 500 units on an offset print run. Mm-hmm. That $40 immediately drops to $10 per unit per book. Right. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And that's print on demand still, yeah? No, no, no. no. We're going, we're going offset now. Uh, uh, sorry, my bad. Offset now. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Whack that up to a thousand units, double the units. It goes mm. from down from ten down to eight dollars per book. Wow. Okay. And double it again to two thousand units. You're down to five dollars per book. Right. Okay. So you can see how it drops quite precipitously, and that's just at two thousand units. Now imagine a mm. hundred thousand units. How much they're paying? Now I can't tell you how much Wizard of the Ghost is paying. Per no. book, but if they're printing a hundred thousand of them, they are not paying anywhere near five dollars per book. Mm. I don't know what they're paying, but it's yeah. a lot less. And they'll probably have a manufacturing deal because they'll probably go to a factory and they'll be like, "Look, we've got six yeah. books coming out that you know coming out yeah. this year." I like. I'm going to say, if people recall back in 2014, there were issues with the quality of the books that Wizards of the Coast were putting out. Like, you know, mm. pages will be falling out and so forth. And I will say it's most likely because people were trying to cut their cut their production margins as thin as possible to give the most profitable cost. You've got to work in, then you've got to implement it. And if you can save a bit of money on glue, then that does actually add up over 100,000 books. It, but they say you yeah. save a bit too much that, money. That could be true. But what also yeah. could be the case, as we mentioned before, printers generally 
Like, because mm. I approached our printers when Russ was writing this article to say, hey, how, how much would it be for this book for 100,000 copies? And they were like, mm. I don't think we could do that many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, was their, their honest reply. And uh, the thing yeah. is, I imagine some people ha- are a printing company, aren't sure they can handle that, but just say yes mm. anyway. Yeah. And then the quality mm. suffers that way. So that also yeah. might have what's been, in fairness yeah. to Wizards of the Coast, what yeah. might have happened is that they had an agreement with somebody, the printers took it on, it was like an order for 100,000 units. Oh, and the, yeah, massive speculation yeah. though, isn't I, it? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would just huge like to make speculation. Clear, huge speculation. I'd just like to make clear that mm. I was not blaming Wizards of the Coast for their book paper falling mm. out. I think that's actually one that they cop a lot of stick for, which isn't mm-hmm. actually their fault. To be fair, mm-hmm. yeah. Who knows? I mean, uh, yeah. I I wouldn't blame you if you were blaming them. Uh, but anyway, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So, so so it it does vary though because depending mm-hmm. where you print. Mm-hmm. And I've just looked inside the player's handbook, and it says printed in USA. I thought I, I thought mm-hmm. it was printed in US, but I just checked for sure, and it does say yeah. printed in USA. Mm-hmm. So um, we print in the EU. Yes. Um, other sort of locations are China and, of course, the USA are the three sort of places and you might India be like to India as well is a huge place for printing oh, okay. manufacturing yeah. now. That's nice. Yeah. So China, it is cheaper to print mm-hmm. in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. then you, you're going to have a lot of added shipping costs, shipping from China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is cheaper to print in China. In the US, it's a little more expensive. Yes. But if you're based in the US, presumably your shipping costs drop quite significantly if you're mm-hmm. printing in mainly selling in the US. So mm-hmm. yep. where you print does affect these prices. Yes. Um so we're kind of in the middle. We're yep. kind of in the mid range. We can get we could go cheaper, we could go more expensive. Yeah. But this this is the this is the deal that works for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what 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 did we say? So we had like two thousand units of a two hundred and thirty page hardcover, you're paying five dollars a book to print it, to physically print it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now if you take a a, lo- a slightly larger book, mm-hmm. it's three hundred and seventy page hardcover. Yeah. Which one of our books is. For that same $5 per book, um, you're now looking at 4,000 units. Yeah. Because it's a larger book, so you gotta, you gotta print more to keep the same price. So yep. 4,000 units at 370 pages, you, you're paying $5 per book. Yeah. And that's a big book, 370. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's, what's the book that's 370 pages? How does the Adventurer's Guide? Compare. Uh, that's 600 odd, I think. But Ooh, the okay. Trials and Treasures, I think, was the 370. Yeah, Trials and Treasures. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's slow. Well, but bringing up the Adventurer's Guide, though, of course. So that is 600 pages. So obviously that's going to cost a lot more to print. It's a mm. big, 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 big book. And requires yeah. a lot so, of big um, binding to stop it all yeah. falling apart into yeah. the multiverse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So our initial print run was 5,000 units mm. uh, at $7 per book. Right. Is, is what that costs of that book. So you know it, it does go up more with that, but if you increase the units, you can keep you can keep the cost down. So at yeah. five thousand five thousand units, seven dollars. Obviously, at like ten thousand units, it would probably drop to within that five dollar per book range again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then at a hundred thousand, who knows? It drops down to yeah. three or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but as Jess just said, our printer wouldn't be able to cope with a print on that big. Yeah, because <laughs> I, 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 I was like, hey, how much would that be? She's like, I have no idea. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we can we couldn't physically do that. So I was like, yeah, okay, fair no, enough. Too many yeah. books. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's some hard numbers on, on yeah. those, um, mm-hmm. how much it costs to print a book. And then we've got the soft cover books. Obviously, they're a lot cheaper. So yeah. uh, we've got Memories of Holdenshire. It's a 120-page soft cover book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, we printed 4,000 units. Okay. And that costs us $2 per book. Wow. 
If we printed 100,000 units of that, we'd be paying pennies per book yeah. on that. Yeah, it would be yeah, pennies. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, you're getting, like, yeah, cool. Sorry, I was just thinking, like, just because that's... Even if they made a penny profit per book, the publisher, mm. after buying their... After covering their costs, that is still basically going to be 100,000... No, not 100,000, but still... 100,000 pennies, yeah. Yeah, 100,000 pennies, yeah. So, 1,000 so, pounds, yeah. 1,000 dollars, yeah. And that's probably not worth my while to do that much effort, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like... You can extrapolate for Wizard of the Coast as much as you like, or you can only... Yeah, we don't know we what don't the size know. of their print runs like. We don't know what deal they've got. Yeah. But I guarantee they're paying a lot less than we are. Guarantee it per book. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no, yeah. There's no way they're not. Than a s- yeah. small publisher in the UK? What? Yeah. <laughs> right. Does not have the yeah. same buying power as billion, yeah. as billion dollar yeah, companies. Yeah, it's so weird that we don't. <laughs> so just look at it, those print-on-demand costs of the one unit, though. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, to get a, it's just the way the, the economy just drops so much. So the 600-page book. Yes. So seven oh. seven dollars for five thousand units. Yeah, for one book. Oh, like I don't know, fifty sixty quid, surely. Ninety three dollars. <laughs> that is so much that we couldn't sell that print on demand. If we put that up on Drive Through RPG and sold it for like a hundred dollars, people would laugh at us. But it physically costs yeah. ninety three dollars to print the thing. Yeah, I had yeah. this conversation. Before with, we get anything. <laughs> I had this conversation yeah. with somebody that they said, "Oh, you don't have your physical books." Because we have the PDS for Lurdlock Collection on Drive Through mm, RPG, yeah. but not the books for that reason. And just not on the shop. Mm. I'm like, why don't you do it on Drive Through RPG? I was like, because I would have to charge you so much double the cost. Yeah. Well, you can just yeah. go to our website yeah. and get it for half the cost. Do you want to pay two hundred dollars yeah. for a book? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> then to get it yeah. from get it from get it from the website. And that's <laughs> even if even if we did it with having like no profit. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, look, look, the soft cover book. We're paying two dollars per book. Mm-hmm. No. One one copy of it, a single copy, costs twenty dollars. Yeah. So 4,000 wow. units cost, cost $2 each. One copy, $20. Like 10 times as much. That is the magical offset printing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So basically, you go from, you go from one to 4,000 units, you're dividing the cost by 10. Which is, yeah. I, I think, why sometimes with small indie publishers, they do the PDF versions and not physical versions for that reason. Mm. And I always hear people yeah. going, well, why don't they, why don't they do the books? Because we could, I would buy them, you know, if they sold them, but it's, when you're when you haven't got like the scale to print thousands of them, yeah, you just can't. Mm. Which is why crowdfunding yeah. made it's yeah. it made it possible for so many people because you know you have a guaranteed order, so yeah. you know yeah. you can do that. Thing is, we couldn't we couldn't even sell that six hundred page book for ninety three dollars because yeah. obviously no. printing isn't the only cost in making a book. What oh, we've yeah. got. We have got oh, yeah. lots of development costs to recoup there as well, so we have to mm. make a decent profit on it to start recouping our development costs on it. So yeah. we couldn't even sell it for $100. We'd be saying like $120. And we get laughed at if we tried to sell a book yeah. for $120. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. we couldn't do that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. without without the sort of scaled offset printing, it's just not viable. Yeah, that is like distribution, shipping, uh, cost of replacement books. Yeah, like for yeah. Cost in there, yeah. We factor that in for our fulfillment. As a rule of thumb, yeah. I expect so the general industry trend, so people know, is hmm. in the in the post across all industries, about ten percent of all packages get lost or damaged in transit. Wow, that's high, isn't it? It's that's really a lot. high. Wow. Our okay. thresh our threshold and rule of thumb we budget is five percent. So when right. I do hmm. a fulfillment for crowdfunding, I we budget and I expect five percent of parcels to in somehow not reach their destination. Or um, like the postman throws it over a fence or leaves it in a puddle, something happens. 
Yeah. Now, what our actuality, like with the the level up campaigns and Dungeons Double Sky, we've had it around one percent or less actually. Mm-hmm. So it's it's gone mm. pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that's good. yeah. But when you have like one percent of six thousand people, that's still like, <laughs> you know, sixty people. Yeah, yeah. There's, so that's still, still sixty people. people who are across with you. Yeah, yeah. and they, yeah, yeah. you know, so those, we, those sixty so, people will post. Yeah, yeah, those sixty people will post on the Kickstarter page, and the other mm-hmm. nine hundred and forty won't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it so does, it does. The problem is, it then looks like all of your books were bad, but it wasn't. One percent yeah. were, and, um, and we send yeah. out free replacements for our damaged books because that's yeah. what we do. Yeah, we don't so even ask questions. That's what yeah. I say to people crowdfunding: yeah. when you are working out your printing costs, I'd mm. say add an extra five percent at least, mm. just oh, yeah, for yeah. stuff going wrong. And also, when you do an offset print run, one might be a bit wonky or wrong. Like a plate yeah. could get smudged, and there's two copies where the page is a bit smudged. So you'll want to replace yeah. that for your customer as well. I won't tell you the horror story about an offset print run that somehow got through our proofing process, mm-hmm. and one page in it was upside down. No, and somehow we didn't oh. notice it until oh. the books were printed. Aye, aye, and we aye. had to pulp. Basically, we had to pulp. I think it was a couple of thousand books. Oh. I wasn't there at the time. That wasn't me. <laughs> just no. to be clear. No. That was pre, that was pre Jess. But yeah, <laughs> wow. But I have made not, some exp- other expensive not a good day. mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I've made yeah, other those, expensive yeah. logistic was, mistakes, but mm. not that one. Yeah. That was but, like a 20 grand mistake or something. That was not, not good. Yeah, yeah. But no, still, absolutely. you know, yeah. you know, we can look back on that and laugh. It, it wasn't laughing <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Said for us weeping gently on camera. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I take I take blame for it. I mean, I should have yeah. spotted it. I, I literally yeah, yeah. looked through uh, the, mm. the proof and didn't spot that. Yeah, yeah. you know, it I can't happens. I can't say it's anyone else's fault. It happens, even. but no. yeah, but I mean, that would be a big thing if you're doing a print run going wrong. But like mm. sometimes mm. you should expect a couple to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'd say with the printing, that was a good few years ago. Though. So we've gone mm. through kind of the printing costs for printing a book, but that I would say is like maybe like somewhere between 10 and 15% of the cost of actually yeah, fulfilling I mean, we, it, uh, sending it out, marketing. Yeah. I mean, shipping shipping is not cheap. Um, it's not as expensive as printing, but it's not cheap. So shipping, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we kind of looked at the prices. So we worked out a kind of unit cost on average. And this really varies because basically it depends on how far you're shipping it. And I just want to say I mean, shipping... geography really plays into that. Just to clarify the terms, shipping does not mean fulfilment. So shipping is getting from yeah. the warehouse, from the factory yeah. that's printed to the yeah. warehouse. This isn't the warehouse yeah. to your front door because yeah. that is yeah, yeah. a different postage cost. That's something else entirely. So this is, yeah. once they're printed, your print yeah. company prints them, they're going to they're have, at their warehouse, they're going to have a big old bunch of pallets shrink-wrapped yeah. with big old piles of your books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're not much good there at the printer. No. Yeah. They've got to, they've got to get to some warehouse somewhere else, and the printer isn't going to send do that for free for you. <laughs> so you that. then have to pay to have all those big pallets shipped around the world to warehouses where you need to distribute from. Mm-hmm. Yes. So for us, there's one in the US which mm-hmm. had to go by boat. Yep. yep. Uh, and one in the UK, it went by truck. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's not, it's not cheap, but it's not. So it, it worked out for Dungeon Delver's Guide, which is the, one of the last ones we did this for. Mm-hmm. It worked out to about $2 per unit to do um, that stage. It was of things. Un- yeah, just under that, in fairness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, li- yeah. a little chunk under that, actually. But anyway. Yeah. But I yeah. want to say on this um, shipping and freight costs, the last mm-hmm. three years have been wild. 
because yeah, 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 the yeah. Mass- yeah, yeah. it like because 2020 hit and there was yeah. a crisis with shipping and there's big complicated yeah. reasons for that but mm. pretty well, much yeah so sorry, containers out of containers out of china were just not happening yeah. Like it was just like it was all just stacked up. It's like containers are everywhere mm. in Southampton, uh, where we live in Southampton. We can actually see. Well, I can say I don't know about these two. I can see sometimes how many containers are in the shipyards. And there was yeah. a time it was like a big, colourful wall of of mm. of these ten equivalent units, and that is not what you want to see. Because <laughs> it's a bit more. It's more complicated than this. But like yeah. in layman's simplified terms. A shipping container will go from destination A to B, be emptied, yes. and then the idea is that someone at destination B will then want mm. to put stuff in it and it'll send yeah. it back to A. So it'll flow through and eventually get back round. But that wasn't happening mm. in 2020. No. Um, no. So, yeah, car- containers Huge were just place. leaving China yeah. and not coming back. So they're like, we yeah. don't have anything to put things in. And yeah. that, but when you book a, a shipping freight container, you kind of either buy the whole container and um, and fill it, mm. and then yeah. that cost is uh, on availability. So if they have like 100 empty ones there, it's a cheaper price than if they've only got 10. Mm. But worse than that is if you're bidding for a place on a container, like say you have like two pallets worth of books. Yeah. Uh, that's not mm-hmm. a whole container, but you're going to share it with other people. And what will happen there is basically the person that owns that container kind of does a bidding process and is like, you want oh, this no. much cubic space? It's horrible. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. And so they can just sell it for whatever they want, depending on demand. So during the pandemic, yeah. like getting a shipping, um, uh, you know, normally like getting a shipping freight could be like between like, depends on the size that you were doing, but mm-hmm. it could be around like, say, say you used to paying four or five grand. In 2020, I was getting quotes for like 20 grand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the issue with this for like companies was like, well, if you've already got your customers to pay mm-hmm. shipping on their Kickstarter or whatever, and now you're just doing the fulfillment... Mm-hmm you've got to pull an extra £15,000 out somewhere, mm-hmm. which is just... Not trivial. So, yes. which is why... Probably more than you paid mm-hmm. raised in Kickstarter funding, yeah. Well, gen- mm-hmm. generally, a customer's only going to pay for it to be shipped from your warehouse to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this, this, is, this is all costs that exist, like mm. printing and shipping stuff, that yeah. costs exist separately to fulfilment. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's lots, and there's lots of costs. There's but lots then of costs. fulfillment yeah. costs as well. Like with yeah. ours, we kind of subsidise our fulfillment costs a bit because we looked at the mm. f- actual fulfillment cost, the cost it was from our warehouse to... Because you have to pay a person to pick it off the shelf, yeah. check the order, yeah. put it in the box, wrap it up, do all that stuff. There's yeah. another cost beyond just what you put in the post. Yeah. I think sometimes and some of those costs were too high. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes yeah. there's... We, had, we yeah. had to subsidise it. So we have to subsidise it because people don't... Mm want to pay that for shipping this is the old psychology trick we all know people would rather pay 50 pounds in free shipping than pay 40 pounds and 10 pounds shipping yeah yeah it's just there's a psychology of it which is the case and i do it i'm the same Mm. and so we have to subsidize those fulfillment Mm. costs as well so that actually comes out that even though you you might get charged for shipping actually generally what will happen is the shipping from the warehouse so that's coming out the cost of the book as well so it's expensive Yeah, we've 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 shipped from China and from Europe. Yeah. Yes. And so we've got a kind of a comparison between them. Uh-huh. And, and this this again is for the bulk shipping, the freight shipping, not mm-hmm. the fulfillment. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. basically, printing and shipping from China, it probably cost us like two to three times as much as it did shipping from Europe. Yes. It was way more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if if you are going to print in China, it will be cheaper, but your shipping costs are going to be a lot higher. So I'd say so when you get your quotes from a manufacturer in China, ask for them to do a shipping quote 
and normally yeah. they do yeah. FOB, which is freight on board, uh, which mm. means they won't do the taxes and they won't. You'll have to hire yeah. an agent to do that. So there's other fees as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So just ask for that quote in mind to make sure you're budgeting for that if you're. If you're yeah. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got distributors. So, this is where it gets... So, if you imagine a book for a, I don't know, a $40 hardcover book, which is... Yeah. Can we do 50 because it's were. easier maths? Or 40 works, actually. I can do maths. Yeah. Well, it's quite easy to divide the 50. <laughs> it's the because same. a distributor's going to take yeah. 50% of the $40 book. All right, let's okay, go. Okay, cool. And, and, and that's basically what the Wizards books were, isn't it? So yeah, okay, good point. Yeah, carry so on. A, for, a, 40, a $40 book, Yeah. Distrib- distributor... Now, I don't know what kind of deal... Wizards of the Coast has with distributors mm. and stuff. They yeah. have definitely got a better deal than we can possibly get. Yeah. Without a doubt. So yes. it's not going to be as bad for them as what I'm about to say. Yeah. But um, the standard deal uh, generally, but, yeah. Yeah. But the standard. Basically, a distributor is going to immediately take 50% of the cover price of that book. Yeah. So you're getting $20 per book. Yeah. Straight away. It's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Then you're paying for your printing and your shipping. So say you're paying, I don't know, let's say $5 per book plus another two or three. Let's say you're down to $12 now. Mm-hmm. You're now getting $12 per book yeah. out of your 40, your $40 book. So that yeah. is literally just some logistic stuff. And you haven't developed mm-hmm. a book with any of that money. No. You haven't, <laughs> you know paid, I mean? you haven't, you haven't paid any taxes. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't oh, done all sorts of Christ. stuff. Yeah. Um, so you're already, you're already down to a quarter of the price of the book already, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and you have writers and artists and they are artists and admin mm. stuff and lots of people. So a lot of mm. stuff is then going to come out of that twelve dollars. Yeah, yeah. Plus we we're subsidising some of the fulfilment, so it's probably not yeah. twelve dollars. It's probably closer to like nine dollars. Yeah, probably closer yeah. to about nine dollars. So we're subsidising some some of that. So you know the the margins. You know people go, oh, it's like a fifty dollar book. The margins are really high. They're not. They're not really high. Mm. <laughs> yeah. They're not. When you take out, like, when you take into account everything, they're not really high. Like if you could teleport it from the printer to your house, then yes, mm. the margins would be pretty high. But assuming, of course, free teleportation. Mm. But uh, <laughs> yeah. if you cannot do that, then there's actually the yeah, shipping and distribution and all that sort of thing that comes into it. So yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. So my yeah. my opinion on the 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 D and D price increase situation is. It's unlikely that D&D needs to for the profit margin because like we're saying, all these costs we're quoting mm. is us as a small yeah. publisher, like, you know, Yeah, what they we're have doing. better deals, they get better percentages, yeah. uh, every, 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 and they, 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 their costs are, yeah. are, are less per unit. But so everything is better. Yeah. As a smaller player in the market, it's kind of good for me that a standard price for a book, what people are going to expect to play for a role-playing game book, will now be increased because mm. that means actually if there is something really cool we want to do with a book but we yeah. know the development cost is going to be a bit higher or the printing cost is going to be higher we have the mm. potential to do that because people you know mm. won't be like oh well why would i pay that because i can get it cheaper from, from yeah. these guys so it, yeah I mean, so, I mean, yeah basically the dd books are now in line with the price of our books pretty much yeah our books yeah. did cost a, li- a little bit more than a than an official dnd book mm-hmm. for those reasons now well, they cost about the same with but that we, price rise at yeah. end. But we've established in the course of this conversation that, say, the Adventurer's Guide is literally two players' handbooks. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so you know, um, multi-purpose, <laughs> a role-playing accessory, and also uh, light melee armour. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the cost in hard numbers of, of, of physically producing a book. 
if yeah. if people don't like listening to numbers and can't absorb them that way, is this available in some sort of written format, Russ? I oh. might have written something. Interesting. Yes, there is an article which I wrote. Well, it's not an article. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a forum post yes which i wrote which basically summarizes all of that number that information with the numbers and i even made a little table with like the book sizes down one side and the number of units across the top and then how much we pay for each very roughly i didn't give the exact numbers it was mm. very approximate but uh yeah so um we can stick that link in the show notes and you can you can go and read that and, and, and see the numbers like yeah in front of you with your eyes instead of your ears mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have any more questions about that and you're going to the UK Games Expo next week, please come along to the live recording of this podcast, podcast yeah. at the UK Games Expo and we're going yes. to do a Q&A there. So if you, if you are like, hey, I'm looking to polish my book, how, discuss, yeah. we can talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we, we are always happy to share what we know mm-hmm. about doing the thing. Um, you know, we, you know we, we don't care about trade secrets or anything like that. There's, you know, if you want to know, we'll tell you. Yeah, um, I think there's enough information out there that you could really find mm. if you really searched anyway. So why would I? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, like talking yeah. to people. Yeah. And if the information helps anybody or if it's just interesting to somebody, you know, we're quite happy to share mm. that information. Yeah. 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 We can definitely share what we do for sure. And yeah. so, wildly yeah. speculate uh, uh, on other mind, people. We're not speaking for, we are, yeah, we are not speaking oh, for anyone yeah, else. Yeah. We can only tell you what we, we, we yeah. do. But, and whereabouts could people find the crew of this amazing podcast, including myself, because I'll be coming along and helping on the EM publishing stand because I'm that sort of awesome person and because Jess and Russ have kindly sprung for me to have an Airbnb to sleep in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where will they find us in the great hall that is known as UK Games Expo? Because I understand that after last year where we were sort of Parks in the corner behind Medifius. We have got a much better location. Much, much, much. So if you go in, if you go in Hall One through the main entrance to Hall One, Mm -hmm. just go straight forward. Yeah. About uh, just under halfway along, we're on the left. Nice. Um, Stand number. You got a stand number there. Um, Stand number eight three five. Eight three five. So yeah. Yeah, Yes. Hall One. Stand eight three five. Yeah, but just into the main main entrance to Hall One. Go straight forwards down that basic. Street in, avenue in front of you, yeah. and we're on the left. Past Alley Cat Games, about. past uh, City of Games. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're super Sweet. easy to find. Yeah. We're that not. We're not. We're not in the little corner like we were. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. where nobody <laughs> went, sitting there all on our own. Crying. Nobody went there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. and we're going to be there if you want to make level up advanced fifth edition character sheets. So if you played five yeah, yeah. and you want to give it a go and, and talk through it, we're gonna we'll have a stand there. Mm. Or character sheets. Yeah. Um. Someone. Someone and, and all through cheerful it. engine ones. It's going to be fun. And all cheerful yeah. engine. And the demo not. of our new board game that we're going to be doing split oh. board as well. Um, nice. With the designer Mark Kenobi there. So yeah, split lots of stuff. the horde. Split the horde, and of course the the deluxe limited editions of the level up books because we only sell them yeah. at Kickstarters or conventions. Definitely. And we are running really low on the core books of those, actually. Mm. Yes, yeah. And we're not. So if you want one of the those. beautiful leather bound ones, which have mm-hmm. the gorgeous ribbons, then it is it is faux leather to be clear. In case you're vegan, the split split the horde uh, is quite an interesting game. It, the, the conceit is you're essentially a whole pile of heroes who've just killed a dragon and now you're trying to split its booty between you. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a lot of uh, negotiations, double deals, tactics and... Uh, Outright yeah. stealing at times be, as well. Yeah. That's going to be our first ever our first ever non-RPG. Yes. It's a card game. Um, boarding mm. board slash card game. Yeah. Um, yeah. By Mark Kenobi and Mark, the designer, yeah. will be on our stand and will be demoing that game. Yeah. Looking forward to it. 
So yeah. Yeah. So come I, I, I am so excited about UK Games Expo next week. We'll see you next week there, and come to the live show, please. It's not just us. And if yeah, you just listen to the podcast, you next week. Uh, then yeah. we'll, that will also be posted here, so you can hear. We'll tell you whether or not anyone turned up. <laughs> um, <laughs> please turn up. Somebody turn up. Please. Yeah, come along. It'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be long. Well, on that note, on that note, on that note, I'm going to leave you to it. Bye bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. And I'm going to go and walk my dog. All right. Bye-bye. Not, not, not that he deserves it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh. <laughs> He's okay. been a very naughty dog. He's taken to going round to the side gate, throwing his ball through the side gate so it lands in the driveway, not able to go and get it, then stands there barking at it until someone goes and gets it for him. And that is his latest trick, and he keeps doing it. And it's not a great game. It's a horrible game.